You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello and welcome to Rootlock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I'm your host. In Season 2 of Rootlock Radio, we will be diving deeper into some particular topics related to tarot philosophy, specific tarot spreads, tarot reading skills, and all while considering tarot as a therapeutic tool that can benefit your mental and emotional well-being. If you're new to the podcast or new to tarot, You may want to go back and listen to Season 1, which is Episodes 1 through 16. Those episodes provide a structured and comprehensive course in tarot that will teach you about the philosophy underlying the tarot, consider the meaning of each and every card, and offer a map for how to conduct a tarot reading. I've also just released a 48-page PDF companion guidebook to Season 1 that you can purchase for $20 and download on my website, rootlocktarot.com. I am so excited to be back, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. The topic of today's episode was born out of a discussion group thread in the Rootlock Radio discussion forum. So the question is, how do we differentiate the aces from each other? And I love this kind of question because although I've already covered each ace in the episode dedicated to the four suits, I have not yet examined them from the angle of comparing the aces to each other, and preparing for this episode really showed me how valuable it can be to examine cards from different angles like this. So what is it about the aces that make them so difficult? I know a lot of people struggle with aces in the same way that the person in the discussion group who brought this to my attention do. And I think that a common issue that people have with ace cards is that they don't have people on them, at least if you're looking at the Pamela Coleman Smith illustrations from the Rider Waite deck. Um, I think this tends to make the cards harder to read, because there is not a narrative that you can kind of put yourself into or identify with. Uh, So other cards have the same challenge with them. One of those would be the Eight of Wands, Uh, which is a card that I'm I'm probably going to cover in a future episode, because I think it's a confusing card, and it would be useful to look at it in a similar way. So the first thing I like to consider when I think about the aces is that they correspond to the major card, the Magician. And this is rooted in the numerology, because the Magician in the Major Arcana is the number one, and the aces in the Minor Arcana are also the number one of each of their suits. So the most basic understanding of the magician is that he's sort of channeling energy from the universe into the earthly realm. So the magician is sort of this conduit of energy. 
So when we're thinking about the magician in relation to the aces, it makes us think that each ace is inviting us to perform the magician's task with this particular elemental energy. So in other words, we are being asked to be that conduit of energy that the magician is modeling for us. So if we're able to kind of review the four elements, this gives us a little bit of insight into what energy we're dealing with. So the wands, which are associated with fire energy, are ruling the creative or passionate energy that can be sexual or really creative, anything that kind of burns in us. And that is also related to the magician card. So the wands, the ace of wands is really sort of a double magician energy. The cups or water energy is associated with emotional energy. Things like love, as well as our real deep emotional selves. So things like meditation can get us in touch with that. And you'll remember that the cups and water energy most closely associated with the high priestess card. And then we have the pentacles or the earth energy. And this is a real grounding energy. It's about our bodies, it's about security, it's about our jobs, our work and nurturing. And this is associated with the Empress. And then the swords or air energy is a real intellectual energy. It comes through in words and thoughts. It's very cognitive. And this is associated with the Emperor of the Major Arcana. So the aceist ace is the ace of wands. That's one way to think about it because we have that mag magician energy meeting the magician energy, the magician energy of one meeting the also magician energy of the suit of wands and the element of fire. So the ace of wands is really powerful channel. And again, I said earlier that one of the things that's really challenging about these aces as a whole is that there aren't human figures on them. So we tend to be a little bit confused about how to insert ourselves into that narrative. But we're, if we're able to do a little bit of work with the imagery that is on these cards, there's actually a lot to draw on. And the two places I really like to look are the landscape in the background of the card and the way the hand looks. So each of these cards has some sort of landscape in the background and some sort of hand holding the symbol of the suit. And what the landscape tells us is really what's the atmosphere or sort of the surrounding feeling of this energy. What is it like for us to be surrounded by that energy? The landscape is a key to this. Whereas the hand, because it's a part of a body, a human body, this is telling us more what's our body's reaction to the energy. What does it feel like for our bodies to be working with this energy? And again, remember, the magician's task is taking that energy which is out in the universe and channeling it into a more human realm. So our bodies are always going to respond to that energy in some way. So let's take a look at the four ace cards from this perspective of really tuning into the landscape in, that's depicted in the card and the way the hand looks. So starting with the ace of wands, 
the landscape is very idyllic or sort of pastoral. You see trees, you see rivers, you see mountains, and there's a castle that kind of embodies the optimism and ambition of Juan's energy. But this pastoral energy, it's neither too human and developed, nor too wild and sort of uncomfortable in a different way. It's very comfortable looking. And I think this is really important to keep in mind because the ace energy intersecting with the fire energy of the wands is just really solid. And when we look at the hand, we get this sense too, because this hand has a really nice, confident grip on the wand. It's almost making a thumbs up. And it's not too firm, but it's also not too loose. It's got this very like energized and stable grip on the wand. So again, we're seeing something that feels really good in the body and feels really good to have around us. When we look at the Ace of Cups, the landscape is a little less comfortable, right? It's, it looks very lovely, but being there would be a little bit more challenging. It's mostly water, there's a little bit of land, so we're not totally out to sea here. And there are lily pads, which I think of as messengers from the depths of the water. But it's a place that would take a little bit more work for us to be there, right? You'd probably have to swim or tread water. It would be a little bit harder. It's not the same like pastoral loveliness that you see in the Ace of Wands. And then when we look at the hand, we see a similar kind of vibe in the Ace of Cups. The hand looks a little bit precarious because it's balancing this overflowing chalice fountain thing. And this energy can be a bit much, the energy of the Ace of Cups, because it is so emotional. It can feel sometimes a little scary to work with emotion, right? When you really slow down and quiet your mind and tune into what's going on with you emotionally, it can sometimes be a little bit scary, especially if you have something like trauma in your past. It can be very hard to work with this energy. So the Ace of Cups is not quite as comfortable, right? But there's also this like intuitive vibe to the way that the hand is. It is balancing that cup, which takes a lot of presence. So again, if we're linking the Ace of Cups to something like meditation, there is a little bit of like scariness to meditating and tuning into our emotional energy. And it also takes a lot of presence and can be a little bit like balancing a cup. It's really easy to move away from it or to lose it. And then if we look at the Ace of Swords, and again, swords are associated with the air energy, and look at the landscape, we see these arid mountains that really kind of capture that intellectual vibe. It's really kind of lifeless in a way. It's very heady. It's kind of up high and it's very bare of anything really kind of fertile. Except we do see this crown and this vine, and it really just shows us that we're like kind of striving for this very human realm of achievement. It's very kind of dry and intellectual and heady. And when we look at the hand, it's really gripping that sword very tight. So that gives us an insight into what the sword's energy is like in our body. It can be really tense and edgy. It's not so relaxed. And when you're working with 
a burst of swords energy, you might feel some anxiety or some tension. And then when we look at the Ace of Pentacles, the landscape is really, really pleasant looking. It's very abundant, but it's also a bit overgrown, a little bit unkept, and it looks not quite as pastoral as the Ace of Wands. So there's something about it that's nice, but it's a little more wild. And then when we look at the hand, we see that it's really cradling this pentacle. And it's kind of that feeling when you're holding something that's really solid and steady in your hand. It has like a nice weight to it. So there's a real pleasantness to the pentacles too. So overall, the wands and the pentacles have kind of the most pleasant energy in the aces. It feels really nice to be there and to work with it. But the the wands, the Ace of Wands overall is the most pleasant place to be. That type of energy is just really positive and solid and stable feeling. The Cups and Swords on the other hand are a little more uncomfortable. You might find yourself moving into kind of more uncomfortable feelings in working with that energy. It's pushing us out of our comfort zones and it's not as relaxing an interaction with our physical bodies. We're going to experience maybe some more tension or having to be a little bit more present, having to kind of balance things in a way that requires us to really be aware as it is in the Ace of Cups. If you'd like to support Rudelock Radio, consider making a pledge to my Patreon page. A monthly donation of $5 or more will get you access to supplementary materials to future episodes, as well as a private online discussion forum where tarot lovers, including myself, will discuss various topics, answer each other's questions, and create a discussion that helps shape future episodes of the podcast. You can join that by going to patreon.com rootlockradio or by following the link on my website. So what does all this mean for when you're drawing an ace in a reading? Well, what I like to think is that when you're drawing the ace, this energy of that suit is really available to you. But your role is not to passively receive it, but to actively channel it and make time for it. Just like the magician does, right? The magician is very much into channeling energy and the magician is making a choice to channel that energy. The magician could easily decide to ignore the energy and not make anything of it, but instead he's very actively channeling it into something real in his life. And he's using his body as a conduit for that. So whenever you draw an ace, if it's in a position that's directing you towards utilizing it, then you want to imagine yourself as that magician. You're receiving that energy in this raw form, and you're channeling it into something tangible. Another way to think about it is the time is right for you to focus on that particular sector of your life. So whatever it is that that particular elemental energy is in charge of, you're going to want to put your energy and attention into that. 
But again, that depends on the particular position in a spread that this card shows up in, because sometimes it'll be something different, which we'll get to in just a moment. Another image that I like to work with when I'm thinking about aces is the image of a faucet. So if you can imagine that a faucet that is turned on full blast, that's sort of the offering that's coming from an ace. And of course, you can just let that energy flow and go down the drain, or you can somehow work with it or try to capture it or use it for something. Your task at hand when you're working with an ace in a directive fashion, where it's telling you what you should be doing or what would be best for you to do, is to harness the energy. And this can look different depending on the situation, but typically it requires some initiation or action on your part. And this is where aces begin to connect with the pages. You may remember from season one, I talked about the pages as sort of modeling for us what it means to reach up and grab the element or the symbol of the suit from the hand in the sky and bring it into a earthly task. So in a way, the pages are sort of doing this task that the magician is inviting us to, but this is something I'd really like to get to in a different episode, because there's a lot more to the pages than just that. So just to give some examples of what you might do if you draw an ace card in a way that's directive and inviting you to work with that energy. With the Ace of Wands, it might be making time to be creative or to hotly pursue something or someone that you have sexual energy with. It has this energized and stable feeling to it, and it's really just kind of a go get em energy. The Ace of Cups is making time for yourself to sit with your emotions, explore and reflect. This could in you could involve meditations or using visualizations. And just remember that the landscape and the hand let us know that this might be kind of uncomfortable. This might not be the most easier positive experience, again, especially if you have something like trauma in your history, right? Your, your emotional landscape might be really challenging to get into, and it might require some tolerating of the discomfort or the distress that comes up. But typically this kind of work can also be really productive and really help you to move through and process some of those things that might be stuck. And as a bit of an aside here, but an important one, if this really resonates with you, if this idea of sitting with your emotions and delving into your emotional landscape feels scary or particularly uncomfortable, then I would definitely recommend seeking out a trauma-informed therapist to help you with this. Because really, that's the best way to work through things like this, is to find some professional help. If you draw the Ace of Swords, this might be inviting you to make time to journal or write out a plan of some kind, to communicate or initiate something that is thought-based or philosophy-based. It's a new idea. It's new words. And it could be in delving into some new ways of thinking, really kind of reading philosophy or reframing something for yourself. It's very cognitive, right? You can feel uncomfortable as you strive to grasp something new, right? Because when we think about that arid landscape and that tight grip, it can be kind of challenging. 
And one way to think about this is to put it in relation with CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. So while the Ace of Cups might be directing us to a more emotion-focused kind of therapeutic practice, the Ace of Swords is having us look much more at our thoughts and our cognitions, which might look more like CBT therapy. So in CBT therapy, you identify unhelpful ways of thinking. You might remember from last week's episode the idea of cognitive distortions. So identifying those and then working really hard to shift them and think in new ways. So it's really kind of a rewiring your brain sort of thing. And that's really hard. And it does require kind of a tight grip and to catch yourself over and over and over again. So that might be the kind of challenging work that the Ace of Swords is inviting you into. And then the Ace of Pentacles is probably inviting you to make time for more grounding things. This could be doing physical labor or doing something new with your body, like yoga or exercise. It could be actively accepting or pursuing new work or money opportunities, which is also grounding by providing that sense of security. And it feels solid and abundant, but sometimes a little bit messy. Remember, you see that sort of overgrown, unkept vibe of the garden in the Ace of Pentacles. And the way I think about this is when you're in a new exercise class, it might feel really good and feel really positive for your body, but there's a way it might feel a little bit messy too. And I think that that's sort of the vibe that I get out of the Ace of Pentacles. As I said before, this can really vary though, depending on the placement of the spread, what the Ace is asking you to do. So one of my favorite very simple three-card spreads is what to hold on to, what to let go go of, and possible outcome. So if you receive the ace in the what to hold on to position, that's pretty straightforward. It's about harnessing that energy, right? Like working with that energy, holding on to it, working in that direction. But if you receive it in the what to let go of position, that's maybe a little bit less straightforward. It might be saying something like, the energy is available, but it might be kind of a distraction. So maybe you should focus your energy elsewhere. And then when it comes to the possible outcome position, if you receive an ace, it might be saying, well, you can open this channel, right? Remember that image of a faucet? You might be able to open the faucet of the energy of that ace if you follow what the spread is doing. So if you let go of and hold on to what that spread is directing you towards, then maybe the outcome is accessing more of the energy of the suit that comes up in that ace card. And then another thing to think about is possible reversals. So what I often think with aces is if it comes up reversed, I go back again to that faucet thought. But here it's more that the faucet is shut off. So if it's upright, the faucet is flowing. If it's reversed, then maybe that energy is not flowing at all. And this can be good to know too, right? So maybe it's telling you this isn't really the time for you to pursue what that particular ace card would be inviting you to if it were upright. So with the ace of wands, maybe that's kind of saying, you know, maybe now's not really the time to get creative or get sexual maybe you should be putting your energy elsewhere because that's not going to come very easily to you right now. 
But this could feel disruptive at certain times, right? If you receive that reversed ace card and you think, well, I'm actually in a time where I really need that energy and it's not helpful to know that it's not available to me. What do you do then? Well, what I say is channel old energy of this element because aces are very much about new versions of this energy. So it might be directing you more to look into your history, look at all the things you've learned, look at the ways this has worked for you in the past, really go back and revisit previous interactions with this energy rather than looking for a new source of it. So that's all I have about the Ace cards this week, and I hope it was helpful. Again, thank you so much for joining me, and I will talk to you next week. Rootlock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jeray. To support Rootlock Radio, please join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash rootlockradio. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio.